We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking Broadcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What you know, my man, Omar Heezy. <laughs> I always wait to see what you're going to hit me with, man, because I know it's going to be something different every time, man. <laughs> What's going on, man? What's going on out there in Omaha, Nebraska? Everything, man. Like I, I was sharing with you, man. The weather's just changing. It's it's just you know we're getting ready for the for for fall. Well, it's supposed to be fall, which I think will end up being a very quick wintertime action. We'll be here re- relatively quickly. We had a mild uh, summer. I have a feeling that fall is going to be brief, if at all, and uh, we'll be jumping in. I'll be jumping into sweater weather pretty soon. So, yeah, the summer here in Atlanta was brutal. Uh, we had a really brutal summer here. Uh, even now, man, it's probably still low, mid-80s. You know, enjoy the fact that living in Atlanta, you get all four seasons. You get mm-hmm. distinct um, uh, experiences with all four seasons every year. You can definitely tell when the seasons have changed. Uh, I'm waiting for fall, man. This has been a brutal summer. So I'm thinking maybe in the next couple of weeks or so, or, 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 or so it, it'll start to to really cool off, get into the 70s regularly, mm-hmm. start feeling a little bit more breezy, a lot less yeah. humidity. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm waiting for that to come in. But, but for right now, it's still a little bit muggy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you're talking about things that are brutal. I, I will tell you this, man, The what we're seeing in the culture right now uh, with regard to, like, some of the things we're going to tee up tonight, man, it is, it's brutal out there, man. I mean, it is absolutely crazy, you know, what's going on you know, in, in, in culture and in, in politics and then watching how people respond to these issues, you know, as, as we examine them from a from a biblical uh, point of view, uh, it's 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 definitely given us a lot of fodder, man, to, to, to look at and, and tee up as we jump into things tonight. Yeah, that's a great segue, uh, Omaha, because you see how I did that. You see how I, I did see that? what you did. There. See, see, <laughs> that was pretty smooth, man. That, that was, was pretty, pretty smooth. smooth. I'm getting better at this, man. It takes a fact, little that time. was like that, that was like S M O O V E. Smooth, smooth, right? Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, that was smooth, man. But, but yeah, it's, these are these are in a way, it's, it, it may seem. To those of us who are not those of us, but those who are unbelievers, mm. it may seem to them a bit paradoxical the way we as Christians look at the brutality, if you will, of what's going on in the culture and society today. Because mm-hmm. it is somewhat, it may seem somewhat paradoxical to them because, on the one hand, right, the word of God is clear that what we're seeing is to be expected, mm. to be expected. Right. Um, right. Revelation 21 says, you know, let those who are uh, filthy be filthy still. Let those who do wicked be wicked still. You know, those who do evil be evil still. So the word of God is clear that we should expect what we're seeing. We should not be surprised at any of this. And we're going to expound on that here in a, in a minute. But on the other hand, because the word of God clearly tells us what our culture is going to look like in these last days, what our society is going to look like, what our world is going to throw at us in these last days, we should really be excited mm, and joyful. That's a good and point. Expectant. Um, these are not times for Christians to be downcast, uh, disheartened, um, shrinking back, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, shrinking back and 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 withdrawing. Um, because again, we remember, right? Um, Jesus prayed in John 17, and I think this is this is key for us to keep perspective on what's going on as I turn my pages in my non-Armenian standard translation <laughs> of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus says, right, in John 17, 14. I'm going to read through verse 15. John 17, 14 and 15. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Here's the key verse, John chapter 17, verse 15. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to to keep them from the evil one. So to your point, Omaha, these are not times for us to shrink back because Christ himself asked the Father very explicitly, no, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Mm -hmm. Just protect them from the evil that is in the world, that is in the world, right? So that's a great point. This is these are not times for us to shrink back. These are mm-hmm. times for us to be as bold as ever. But in that boldness, right? Let's remember who it is we represent, um, whose agenda, capital A, um, we are uh, advocating, right? Um, and 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 who it is that our hope uh, rests in. Uh, during these uh, tumultuous times, but yeah, these these are times that that the gospel is clear. I mean, everything we're seeing uh, is, is 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 something to be expected. We should expect, right? right absolutely. So just so just to expand on that a little bit to your point about, um, uh, you know, these are are man. Just this past week, man. right? Was I mean, it's like political Armageddon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In Washington, DC. So, you know, this is something you already know that over the past eyes and ears of millions of Americans were focused on Capitol Hill in Washington, DC, specifically last Thursday, September 27th, where formal hearings were conducted before the Senate judiciary committee to gather sworn testimony pertaining to accusations made by a woman by the name of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford against Supreme court nominee, judge Brett Kavanaugh involving acts of sexual assault, allegedly mm-hmm. committed against Dr. Ford by judge Kavanaugh some 35 years ago. Right. So that's what was going down last week. Now, mm-hmm. subsequent, they're hearing from both Ford and Kavanaugh last Thursday, which on the normal circumstances would have been followed by a vote by the full Senate to confirm or not whoever the Supreme Court nominee uh, is. In this case, it's Brett Kavanaugh. Subsequent to that, there would have been a vote. But in this case, Arizona Senator Jeff Flake made a last minute call to delay the confirmation vote so the FBI could spend a week investigating the accusations against Kavanaugh by Dr. Ford. Right. So as we record this episode of the Just Thinking broadcast, we are within that, we are beginning that one-week period of of, uh, investigation, one-week period of delaying the confirmation vote vote by the full Senate Mm -hmm. so that the FBI can look further into these allegations against Judge Kavanaugh that were brought by Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Now, right. 
With that as background, I want to say up front, for the benefit of our listeners, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I speak for you as well in this case, uh, brother Omaha. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to say up front that it is not my or our intent to use this platform. That is the Just Thinking Broadcast. It is not our intent to use this platform to adjudicate guilt or innocence in this situation. Mm, that's a great that point. Clear. That's great. I, 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 I want to make that clear I, at the front. I, pre- I appreciate you doing that. It is not, we, we do not have an agenda with respect to this, with respect to the outcome mm. of this investigata- uh, investigative process. Mm-hmm. I want to say that up front. That is for the United States Senate and the FBI to determine. I, Daryl Harrison, am neither a United States senator nor an agent of the FBI. Mm-hmm. Okay, so far be it from me to use this medium, to use this broadcast medium to offer my personal opinion on the situation and add to the already ridiculous level of noise and vitriol that currently exists regarding this unfortunate situation. And it is an unfortunate situation. If you, if you, either watch the hearings or listen to the hearings or you as in my case, because I was at work uh, as the hearings were going on, I sort of followed it at a distance on social media. You cannot help, but come to the determination that this whole episode is fortunate for our country. Mm-hmm. It truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me to use this platform, offer a personal opinion on the situation would be both unwise and a contradiction, a flat out overt contradiction of the mission statement of the Just Thinking Broadcast, which is to apply biblical truth to social, cultural, political, and theological issues in our world. That is the mission statement of my blog at justthinking.me. Mm-hmm. And conversely, it is the mission statement of this medium, this broadcast, the Justin and Broadcast, which is an extension of the blog. So by extension, this broadcast shares the same mission statement as my blog does. Again, mm-hmm. we are here to apply biblical truth, objective biblical truth to social, cultural, political, and theological issues in our world. Now. What I will say, however, is this, and this is about as close as I'll come to interjecting what some may call a personal opinion uh, during this episode of the Just Thinking Broadcast. This is as close as I'm going to come. So I will say this, that the process of confirming a Supreme Court nominee is increasingly becoming a partisan political shell game. It has become a partisan political shell game Democrats and Republican presidents and senators alike. So presidents from both sides, senators from both sides of the aisle are equally guilty of deliberately and egregiously manipulating the confirmation process, not in the interest of the citizens who elected them to office, but in their own selfish interests, particularly with regard to the surreptitious quid pro quo deal making among themselves and their colleagues toward the goal of imparting their personal agenda 
on American law and policy and toward the even greater goal of ensuring their re-election to office when the time comes. Mm. So you can call that a personal opinion if you will, but that's more of a general assessment of I see of how I see the political landscape yeah. in America, but specifically as it relates to recent history when it comes to the process of confirming and vetting men and women who are nominated to the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's become an absolute embarrassment of political selfishness just from a process. And both sides of the aisle are guilty of this. Mm -hmm. Both sides are. Now, in saying that, Omaha, I'm reminded of a quote by um, American economist and author Paul Krugman. Uh, Some of our listeners may be familiar with him. It's Paul, K-R-U-G-M-A-M, Paul Krugman. Paul Krugman, uh, in an article published on September 6, 2020, in the Australian Financial Review, said this, quote, politics determine who has the power, not who has the truth, unquote. That, see, that, see, that's that's T-shirt bumper sticker material right there. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. that's 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 valid enough to get tattooed on your forearm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Krugman held it on that. He said, "Politics determine who has the power, not who has the truth." Speaking of Krugman, though, again, in an article published in the March 2012 issue of Playboy magazine, an issue which I did not read. Let me just make that clear. Right. The issue <laughs> right. I, I had no part of this. I just came up with this as I was doing my research and preparation for this episode. I just want to make that clear right. to our listeners. Right. But Krugman said this in the March 2012 issue of Playboy magazine. And I think this statement is even more profound than the previous one that I just uh, quoted. Uh, Krugman said this. He said, in the end, the goal of politics is not to win elections. The goal of politics is to change society. Wow. I read that Omaha and I had the same reaction that, that you just gave. Wow. Yeah. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. The man is right. He's spot on. He's right. In the end, the goal of politics is not to win elections. The goal of politics is to change society. Now think about that for a moment, what Krugman said. The goal of politics isn't to win elections. Now, politicians would have us think that that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Is to be elected to office. That's why every man or woman runs for political office is to win the election. Mm-hmm. To win election to office. But Krugman says no. And I agree with Krugman. I agree with Krugman. The mm-hmm. goal of politics is not to win elections. The goal of politics is to change society. The goal of politics is to change society. Now, you see, the reason that resonated with me, Omaha, is that the fundamental reason people took such a keen interest in last week's Senate hearings involving Judge Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Christine Ford is that they understand fundamentally that they may not use the same language that Krugman used. Right. But in essence, they understand contextually that Krugman is right. That is that fundamentally, the goal of politics is to change society. That's why so many people were tuned into those hearings last week, because resting on this confirmation is the potential to impact society, to change 
society. Now, in this case, that change, and I don't want to be naive about this. So I'm going to put this out there. I'm not being naive about this at all. Right. What's at stake here with respect to the confirmation or not mm-hmm. of Judge Brett Kavanaugh is the issue of abortion and changing society with regard to current abortion law. Right. Current law as it relates to abortion. Now, to those on the socio-political right, Brett Kavanaugh's views as holding to a pro-life worldview on abortion, whereas conversely, those on the socio-political left view Kavanaugh as a threat to existing law. They view him as a threat to existing law in which the United States Supreme Court, existing law being where the United States Supreme Court in 1973 by a vote of 7-2 ruled in the case we know as Roe v. Wade that a right to privacy under the due process clause of the 14th Amendment extended to a woman's decision to have an abortion. Right. This is the threat that those on the sociopolitical left see Kavanaugh as. Those on the sociopolitical right see Kavanaugh as a friend of pro-lifers right, and as a deciding vote if, when Roe v. Wade were to come before the court again. So the reason those on both the socio-political right and the socio-political left were so engaged and even enraptured, I would say, from what I saw on social media, there were people enraptured by these hearings. But the reason is because essentially both sides, both ideological sides on this issue want to change society. Right. Both sides want to impact society. That's essentially why millions of people turned in, tuned in to, to watch those hearings last week. Mm. It was no different. That sort of desire to change society is no different than in 2015 when the Supreme Court ruled 5-4. to four. In a 5-4 vote, they ruled on the Oldbrook-Fell v. Hodges case that the fundamental right to marry is guaranteed to same-sex couples by both the due process clause and the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution. So here we have again mm-hmm. the 14th Amendment to the Constitution was in play again with respect to uh, not only Roe v. Wade but 42 years later uh, with Obergefell v. Hodges with respect that granted uh, uh, legality to same-sex marriage. Now, understandably, many evangelical Christians were disappointed, to say the least, with the societal change brought about by the Supreme Court's ruling in 2015 regarding Oberfell v. Hodges uh, that legalized same-sex marriage. And the same sentiment is present with us today with respect to the political gamesmanship surrounding the Kavanaugh confirmation and the impact his confirmation to the Supreme Court can potentially have on American society specifically with respect to the matter of abortion. Right. So evangelical Christians, again, here here we are, many of us are uh, at this place that we were um, three years ago. Mm-hmm. When Obergefell, Obergefell v. Hodges was handed down by the Supreme Court that legalized same-sex marriage. So here we are again. But in this case, 
the potential effect on society surrounds the issue of abortion. Now, the, the thing I want to say here is that as we continue to see America as a society move further and further away from a biblical ethic, anyone who doesn't see that we are in a post-Christian state in America right now is blind. Right. Is blind. Okay. Uh, um, the phrase Christian nation. Uh, I like what Dr. John MacArthur said about this. He said America's, he said there's never been a Christian nation, Christian nation in quotes. He says there's never been a Christian nation. There's only been Christians. Mm -hmm. And and he's right. He's right. But to the extent that I I understand what people mean when they say a Christian nation. So let me just use that phrase for for the sake of conversation. But to whatever extent that that used to be the case in America, and I say used to be deliberately anymore. That is not the case of uh, uh, America right now is the most secular that I ever can remember. Right. right. It, it, it is, it is, it is beyond um, post-Christian, whatever the next phase of ideology is, it is beyond that. Right. Um, so, but, but as we continue to see America as a society move further and further away from a biblical ethic, the question for us as Christians, the question for professing Christians, those who profess to follow Jesus Christ is this. How are we as Christians to respond? How are we to respond as we continue to see our society in America and then at a macro level, the world at large move further and further away from the precepts and tenets and commands of the God of the Bible. How are we to respond to that? Now, I think our response to that begins by our being reminded just what kind of a society and world we live in. Right. Now, what I mean by that is, is the kind of society and world we live in is, is, is evident. Okay. We see things happening all around us. We see the what. Okay. But what we don't often consider as Christians is the why. Mm. You see, we think that we see the what because, well, we just need the laws just need to be different. Right. We need to change the laws or we need to elect uh, Christians to office. We need to elect better officials to represent us. But no, that's that's not the problem. That's not the problem. The reason we see the what of the of the manifestation of our moving further away from God, the answer to that, the why rather, is in first John five nineteen. Mm. It's clear. First John five nineteen. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Yeah. That's the why of the what? Mm. That's the why of the what? Mm-hmm. Okay, again, 1 John five nineteen, And that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now, 
let me just sort of exposit this text a little bit. The phrase, that phrase there in the power of the evil one in 1 John 5, 19, literally translates to me a world that in an ethical sense, and that's what we're really talking about here is ethics and morals. The world in an ethical sense is innately, that is by nature, wicked, blind, and diseased with evil. Diseased with evil. The word lies in that verse in 1 John 5, 19, the word lies literally means that this world is held in subjection by the evil one. Mm. That's the why of the what. And, and I think there's a certain degree of, of, of naivete here among a lot of Christians in that we see the what, right? We see uh, ungodly decisions being rendered by the Supreme Court. We see... Uh, even nations around the world now are adopting uh, laws that legalize same-sex marriage, mm-hmm. uh, that legalize abortion, uh, and, and we and we see not only in America but other nations outside of the United States adopting this sort of progressive, a more secular, um, uh, uh, shall we say, paradigm of life with respect to the types of laws that govern their citizens. Mm -hmm. So we see this happening, not just in America, but in other nations as well. But the reality again is in first John five 19. So, so going back to the question of how Christians ought to respond, we, we can't be knee jerk. We can't be responding in such a way that we rec that we fail to recognize why what we're seeing is happening. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, it says in First John 5.19. Now, this is the reality of the world and society in which we live as Christians, that the entire world lies. It is subjected to the power of the evil one. Now, that reality, that reality should really remind us, should take us, immediately take us back to Again, Jesus' high priestly prayer mm-hmm. in John 17, which I cited earlier. Christ is praying to his Father, to the Father, on our behalf, on behalf of believers. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them. It literally translates in the Greek to keep them from the evil. Mm. Uh, verse, can you check your elect standard version and see? <laughs> how, that, uh, how, that ver- how that verse reads, because in the, in the uh, non-Armenian standard version, it reads, but to keep them from the evil one. But the literal translation is to keep them from the evil. Right, right, right. How, how does your next standard version read uh, John seventeen John, fifteen? John seventeen fifteen reads this way. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Okay, right. So yours, the elect standard version and the non-Armenian standard version, pretty much read identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 real we real close. We real close. We're, we're good. We're good. We're cool. We're close. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little inside joke, listeners, that we have going on between, uh, between Omaha and myself. But but the point is this: is that Christians, we need to recognize and stop being naive. Uh, to the fact that we live in an overtly godless world. 
mm-hmm. overtly godless world, meaning the world doesn't care that it's godless. It flaunts its godlessness. Yes. It flaunts its evil. It flaunts its sin. And we need to recognize that that is where we live. It is this world that Christ himself asked the Father to not take us out of. Mm. To not take us out of. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, that's an excellent verse as an apologetic with regard to God's common grace. Because I'm a firm believer that by virtue of God's elect, by virtue of God keeping watch over his elect, mm-hmm. his non-elect benefit as well. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right, Omaha, would you agree with that? Ab- absolutely. Absolutely that's the case. Absolutely. So I mean, we, we, you 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 mentioned I mean, you mentioned it as 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 common grace. I mean, that that's that's what that's the, the very grace of God, the fact that his mercies are new every morning, the fact that the sun rises and shines on the just and the unjust. I mean, that, that's the common grace of God as, as he as he watches over his elect. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. So as Christians, we have to stop being so naive as it relates to. Uh, the kind of world that we live, the kind of world, not only the kind of world that we live in, but the kind of world that the Bible says we live in. A world that rests under subjection of the evil one. Now, that's by God's sovereign will, of course, but it's no less the case. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that is completely engrossed in carrying out the kinds of evil that are commensurate with its nature. Right? An evil world, a diseased world, a world diseased and possessed by sin that lies in the power of the evil one produces the fruit that is commensurate with its nature. Mm-hmm. And that's the world that we live in. So when we look at the question of how Christians ought to respond, we need to first recognize what kind of world we live in. Man, that's good. That's a great foundation. And I think, you know, with respect to what went down on Capitol Hill last week, what went down in the Supreme Court three years ago with the same-sex marriage decision, what went down with the uh, Obamacare decision, what went down with, uh, you know, 40-something years ago, uh, uh, with 48 years ago now, I'm sorry, 45 years ago with uh, Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, especially conservative evangelical Christians um, and, and I'm going to upset some people when I say this, right? But what else is new, right? Omaha? <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, you, I mean, you you started that a while back, so it's just you know, it is what it is. <laughs> we 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 are here now. We're here now. So. We're here now, so I'm... <laughs> right? Right. You just you might as well come on with it. So we're here now. Um, especially conservative evangelical Christians, um, we need to stop uh, putting our faith in these politicians that we elect the office. Hmm. We need to stop putting, don't put one ounce of faith in these politicians that will elect the office. Mm-mm. I don't, I, even those, I'm, I'm saying that even, I'm including in that even those who profess to be Christian. Why? Well, because politicians are sinners too. Politicians, before 
they run for office before they're elected to office are sinners. They're sinners before they run for office. They're sinners while they run for office. Mm. And they're sinners after they get elected to office and sworn into office. Mm -hmm. They're sinners in all four stages. Mm -hmm. Okay? All four stages. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8. Ecclesiastes 5, 8. Again, I'm reading from the uh, non-Armenian Standard Bible. I'm, and I, you know, and you know, I'm pulling up my my elect standard as you as you. Read. I, I got the elect standard. <laughs> I'm just making sure it reads right, man. I'm just making sure it reads. <laughs> That's cold, bro. Right. Ecclesiastes five eight. If you see oppression of the poor, mm-hmm. and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight. One official watches over another official, and there are higher officials over them. Mm-hmm. Let me read that again. Ecclesiastes 5.8. If you see the oppression of the poor and denial of justice and righteousness in the province, do not be shocked at the sight. One official watches over another f- official, and there are higher officials over them. Mm-hmm. Now, the Hebrew verb there, shocked, in Ecclesiastes 5.8, that Hebrew verb, shocked, literally translates and it paints the picture of us not being dumbfounded. Don't be dumbfounded. Right. When you see politicians basically rubbing each other's back and scratching each other's back, denying justice, not practicing righteousness uh, over those uh, whom, with whom they have authority. Don't be dumbfounded at that. It, that, that verse in Ecclesiastes 5, 8 literally has, it, it denotes as if you are uh, uh, looking at one another with this sort of, shocked look this surprised mm-hmm. look on your faces mm-hmm. when a politician does something when a politician sins when a politician doesn't come through a politician doesn't vote the way you think they should now, don't be shocked at that because ecclesiastes 5a says one official watches over another right. they watch they look out for each other and the higher you go up the rank they do the same thing mm-hmm. so that verb Shocked there in Ecclesiastes 5 8. It translates, don't be dumbfounded, don't be astonished, don't be looking at one another with amazement that politicians act the way they do and looking out for themselves instead of looking out for you. On the contrary, matter of fact, such disregard is what we should expect from them. Mm-hmm. Why? Because again, every politician, regardless of office, is a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Now, the Greek word for all there in Romans 3.23 is all. <laughs> okay. Right, right. All. Mm-hmm. All. Okay, Romans 3.23. Conversely, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. Indeed, there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and who never sins. Mm -hmm. There's not a righteous man on earth on the planet of the 7 billion plus people that reside planet earth. There's not one who is righteous and who never sins. I could have sworn. I thought Joyce Meyer says she didn't sin anymore. (laughs) 
I shouldn't even thrown that in. That was so wrong. That was so, that was so far from left. See, usually, that was so. <laughs> usually, Omaha, I'm the troublemaker. People call me the troublemaker. <laughs> but see, I see, I see. I see you. You're you're jostling for you that title t- here. You gave me time. You gave me time. I'm looking at this stuff. You gave me time. I had a minute. I thought I'd throw that in. <laughs> I had a minute. <laughs> Remind me not to give you any more minutes. Don't give me any more minutes, man. Don't give me any more minutes. <laughs> we need to find the clip where she said that, though. That yeah, would be she did say that. Yeah, she did. Wow. Mm-hmm. Sinless perfectionist, huh? Is that yeah, she is? And there you have it. Wow. There you have it. Well, she might as well just rip Ecclesiastes 720, 720 out. 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 Bible. Just yeah. go ahead and re- go ahead and redact that from yep. her Bible. Just line through it. So the, the larger point is here is it's from the president of the United States on down. From the president of the United States on down to the neighborhood dog catcher, we are sinners, every last one of us. Every last one of us is a sinner. Mm. So as the text that we just read in Ecclesiastes 5, 8 says, we should not be surprised when politicians and others who are in authority over us sin because sinning is what sinners do. Sinning is what sinners do. And we have to be, we as Christians, it's, it's kind of weird, Omaha, where we, Individually, see, we will acknowledge that we are individually sinners. So Daryl finds it pretty easy to acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I can say that about myself. I can definitely say that about me. I can say that about myself. But we have a tendency to impart to other people this standard of righteousness by virtue of their occupation, their celebrity status, their uh, position, uh, as if... Any of those things can, uh, shall we say, uh, reduce the level of innate sinfulness that they have. Mm-hmm. So we look at we look at presidents and think that their um, that their standard of behavior should be higher than ours. Right. We look at um, police officers. Uh, we look at uh, pastors, preachers, people who shepherd God's flock. Mm -hmm. We look at them positionally and we impart to them an expectation, a standard that is higher than ours. Right. Even though the reality is we all share the same sin nature. Right. So with respect to the doctrine of harmartiology, this is a fancy Greek word that said the doctrine of sin. Harmartia mm-hmm. is a Greek word for sin. Mm-hmm. With respect to how we understand the doctrine of harmartiology, that is a skewed understanding of that doctrine when we look at people who hold to certain positions and expect them by virtue of those positions to be less sinful than others who don't hold those positions. Yeah, that, that's why, John, I'll just interject this because I know I know you've got some other things that you want to cover. I just, one of the things that, that I'm thankful for and appreciative of is that you kind of set up front as we teed this up that, you know, y- y- your desire is not to use this platform, the Just Thinking Broadcast, to adjudicate either guilt or innocence in this situation. 
And, and, and I think a couple of things are happening in the culture. One is that there is, there's the drumbeat of, of presumed guilt. And, and, and now, now judge Kavanaugh and others are going to have to, to adjudicate themselves into innocence. So you're going to have to actually prove that you're innocent rather than the mantra, which has been, which has been given, which is innocent until proven guilty. So he's guilty by virtue of his gender, his background, his, this, his, that, and has to kind of lean into what it means to be proven innocent. And on the reverse, if you're, if you're, if you lean in the direction where you believe the, the accuser in this situation where you're, you're thinking judge Ford is right. You're doing so perhaps on the basis of, uh, and at least we hear, we hear this in the culture. uh, She's a woman. We need to believe women. You know, we, we need to believe the victim. We need to believe this. And, and so each, each of those positions establish a standard uh, on 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 a basis that may be flawed, and and I think both positions ignore what you just stated, which is that all of us are sinners, and even politicians are sinners, right? All of us, whether whether you whether whether Doctor Ford or Judge Kavanaugh, both are sinful human beings. So so to be dogmatically advocating for a position based upon someone's gender, someone's background, I think is, is a flawed. And, and what we're talking about here is as you, as you kind of set us up, what we're talking about in this space is that we're applying biblical truth from a social, cultural, and political, uh, uh, political and theological issues in, in our world. We're, we're applying biblical truth to those things. And so the lens by which we need to look at any issue, all issues, especially this one, is from the position that you've just stated. All of us are sinful human beings, created in the image of God, no doubt, but fallen and sinful nonetheless. And, and it, is, it is from that position that we need to operate. So none of what we're seeing in our world should surprise us, catch us off guard, where we're like, I can't believe, and, and, and then begin to, I can't believe that would happen, and, and then begin to, to uh, advocate for a certain position based upon more feeling than, than fact, you know, more, more based upon what someone believes to be true rather than that which is true. So I just want to interject. I think that's just a, a wise position that 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 you've laid out for us as we're listening to this process. Yeah, I appreciate your commentary on that, Omaha. It kind of reminds me of a uh, a post I made on my Facebook uh, page um, the day after the uh, the Kavanaugh hearings, and I think it would behoove all Christians to uh, set aside their emotions on a situation like this and go to the word of God, which objectively mm-hmm. speaks to the situation. Um, you know, a verse that stood out to me and I posted this rather posted this to my Facebook page um, a couple days ago, uh, Deuteronomy 19 mm-hmm. uh, verse 15. Mm-hmm. It says, and this is exactly to the point that you you just made a single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me exposit that verse because it's, it's really amazing here, Virgil, how Christians can be some of the most rude, obnoxious, <laughs> uh, prideful, boastful, angry people I can, I've ever been around. I'm trying to work um, on it, Daryl. I'm trying to work on it. 
I'm trying to get better, bro. You didn't have to put my stuff on blast, man. I'm well, trying know, to get That's how we do on the Just Thinking Broadcast, man. Right, you come right. on. You, you, you want to co-host this show? You better right. be ready. You better, you better be ready. Put on blast at any minute. <laughs> come on, bro. This is, this is episode what? You don't know by now? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it, Daryl. I'm working on it, man. Oh, man. Slow. Let's speed, speed it up here. I, I know I know you're in Omaha, man. I'm in Atlanta, but let's speed it I'm, up. Here. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Um so yeah, so so I want to let me let me just make something clear with respect to Deuteronomy 1915. A single mm-hmm. witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Mm. A matter shall be confirmed. Mm-hmm. I posted that uh, verse on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. A Christian brother. Well, what? What? Well, what, 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 What's a woman supposed to do who's who's uh, been sexually abused? Is she supposed to just keep her mouth shut? Right. See, it's, it's people like that. It's Christians like that. Right. So sometimes I think uh, c- Christians just like that just wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. waiting to attack other right. Christians. Right. Just take just take a verse out of context mm-hmm. and, and misinterpret it, misconstrue it. Go take your Ginzu knife out and chop it up, right? And, and make it uh, mean something that doesn't. You, mean. It doesn't. No, no more. Number one, it doesn't mean that, and you didn't put it out there in that context, right? The verse in Deuteronomy nineteen, it doesn't say anything about a witness not coming forward, right? Or a victim not coming forward. Mm-hmm. The operative phrase there is that evidence, number one, evidence of two or three witnesses, on the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. Okay? Not validated, not given credence to. None of that. That's not what it says. Now, let me give you a historical example of how this verse should have been applied, but wasn't. Um, the civil rights era, a little bit before my time, but, but I studied it as you have, uh, Omaha. Um, you look at the number black men who were lynched in the sixties mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the basis of one person's right account. Right. They got no due process. Um, no hearing whatsoever from the standpoint of the equitable application of the law uh, to them, because again, we're talking the segregated. And and let me say this as an aside in the sixties, it wasn't only the South that was segregated. Okay. There was segregation in the North. There Mm -hmm. was segregation in the West. There was segregation in the Midwest. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there was segregation probably over two thirds of this nation. All right. But the point I'm trying to make here is this. What Deuteronomy is saying, had this, had this text been applied, the principle, the precept of this text, had the precept of this text been applied to black men in the 60s, black men, especially because back then a white woman could just say, that that black man raped me. Mm-hmm. You know the book Kill a Mockingbird, right? Right, right. Yeah, go read To Kill a Mockingbird if you haven't read that. Mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird. 
Yeah, they 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 did a, they did a movie. They did a movie on it. Yeah, Gregory Peck stars in the in the film version yep. of the book. Yep, yep. To kill a mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So, in the sixties, a white woman could just say, "Pick a black man out arbitrarily and say that man raped me." Mm-hmm. That day, unless that man could escape somehow, right? He'd probably have his house burned down. If he had any family, they risk being murdered, but he would be hanging from a tree mm-hmm. that day. Or worse, you know the name Emmett Till. Right. Right, Omaha? Oh, yeah. Emmett Till had an allegation made against him. I think it was 14 year old boy, 14 mm-hmm. year old black boy. Where? In Chicago. He, he was from Chicago, but I think he was visiting Mississippi. Right. Visiting relatives in Mississippi. Let's just say he never made it out of Mississippi because of a one-person allegation that resulted in this young man being beaten to death to where he was unrecognizable. Yeah. Go out on the internet, folks. Look up Emmett Till. E-M-M-I-T-T, last name T-I-L-L. E-M-M-T. You will see the... You will see you will see the pictures. Mm-hmm. You will see the pictures of the open casket mm-hmm. and his mother who said, No, I want them to see yeah. what they did to my son. Yeah. He deliberately left that casket open. Yeah, yeah. That that, that that took that took some yeah, that, that took something right there. So when I cite Deuteronomy seven uh, nineteen fifteen. A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. That's not saying that the person cannot levy. If someone's been legitimately abused or violated sinfully, that is not saying you can't levy a charge. Right. File charges. Sure. File file charges if it's legitimate. Mm Mm-hmm. But there needs to be more than, than your account in order to convict. Right. We we there were there were I don't know how many examples of that back in the sixties. Okay. So but, but all that to say, Omaha, you brought up a great point. You brought up a great point there, and and you know I just want again I'm urging evangelical Christians out there to take your emotions out of this situation. Take your emotions out of it and go to the word of God where you will find objective answers to how we ought to respond. So the question again is, when we see politicians, judges, police officers, folks who have been vested a responsibility, they've taken an oath, and and I've always said about oaths that the words of it's not the words of an oath that make an oath an oath. What makes an oath an oath is the intent of the heart to obey the words mm-hmm. of the oath. Mm-hmm. Marriage vows do not make a marriage. Right. A police officer holding up their right hand and swearing an oath to protect the public does not portend that that officer is going to protect the public. Right. No. 
it's not laws against murder, rape, stealing. It's not the laws themselves in and of themselves are inherently powerless. Mm-hmm. Omaha, let me ask you a question. Why do you, when you come to a stop sign, you're driving your car. Why do you stop at the stop sign? Uh, I, I don't want to get hit. <laughs> okay. You don't want to get hit. Uh, I'd say it, it's, it's the law. It's, it's, it's what we're supposed to do. It's, you know, um, it, it's, stop, this, yeah, this, yeah. My, my point is that the stop sign itself. Yeah. Doesn't force okay. me to do anything. Because it has has no it has, it has no, no, no inherent power to make you to stop your car. No, absolutely, you stop your car because you made a volitional decision for whatever reason. Right, the reasons you just mentioned. Sure. Ultimately, you make a volitional decision to stop to mm-hmm. abide by the the law that the stop sign represents. represents. Absolutely. Out of fear of or out of concern of repercussions for not doing so. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the stop sign itself has no has bearing no whatsoever no. on you stopping the car. Right? No. Uh-uh. So you no. get my point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, as we continue um, just kind of walking through this, you're walking us through just the foundational level of why, of, of the lens by which we need to look at these events that we're seeing in the public spectrum. And uh, man, as we, as we go on, on the back end, I know you've got a few more things you want to walk through, but I've, I've got some additional questions that I, I'd love to, to interact with you on, but I know you're walking us through a few of these things. Yeah. Just, Hey bird, just interject where you feel like it, man. We, we're going sure, sure, sure. to, sure, sure. Yeah. So again, so, so given the reality that uh, uh, sinning is what sinners do. Everyone is a sinner. Mm-hmm. The, the, the question we need to consider as Christians is this. Where is our hope? Where is our hope when those, especially those who are in authority over us, behave in ungodly ways and render unbiblical judgments and decisions? Where is our hope placed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, I said kind of earlier, you know, with all due respect, I think there's a certain naivety among Christians in that they view politics as salvific. They they view politics as salvific in, in, in a, to yeah. a certain extent. They, they, yeah, we do. Yeah, they, they you know you know we 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 vest our hopes uh, in the uh, the um, the shall we say the the presentation of uh, folks that we support uh, for political offices, Absolutely. and we 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 look to them to rescue us from the world that I was describing earlier is as being innately diseased and broken with sin. Absolutely. It's really, it's really Daryl, the lazy way out, isn't it? I mean, rather than it really is rather than, than having the, the gospel invade our hearts and lives and for gospel implications to take place to the degree that we're, continuing to share the gospel and seeing the solutions to the world's problems as gospel centered, gospel centric, as gospel proclamation, as seeing people's minds renewed by the gospel. What we do is, and, and rather than going out and sharing that message and, and, and impacting uh, the culture via that message, our thought process is I'd rather, I'd rather elect someone to office that claims that they hold to these particular values so that they can represent me and put laws into place that I feel more confident about. I mean, it's just a lazy way out. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. It is a lazy way out. And see, what we're trying to do is to find, you know, a plan B. Right. You know, so we look at, you know, look at, look at the Kavanaugh situation again. You know, there are millions of Christians in America who have their hopes uh, placed in a Kavanaugh confirmation to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. and then ultimately overturning uh, Roe v. Roe v. Wade, Wade. Roe v. Wade right. with regard to abortion. Right. You know, and, and, and I understand where they're coming from with that, with having that desire. Mm-hmm. But again, listen, we have to face reality here and that this world lies in the power of the evil one. That's good. So we cannot look to any politician. I don't care what ideology or what political party uh, they have allegiance to. Politics is not salvific. Mm. Politics is not salvific. Now, politics can be redemptive, but it can never be salvific. Mm-hmm. Okay, at, at at the best, politics can do is be redemptive, and that God can leverage the political arena because, he, again, He is sovereign over all of that. He can leverage certain individuals. He can use certain individuals, whether they are believers or unbelievers. That is of no concern and no regard to God. Mm-hmm. He can use whomever he wishes. Okay, so politics can can be redemptive, but it can never be salvific. Um, Psalm one forty six verse three. Psalm one forty six verse three. Do not trust in princes. Now, in our vernacular, we would say, do not trust in politicians. Do not trust in presidents. Do not trust in governors. Do not trust in senators or congresspeople. Do not trust in princes. Mortal man in who there is no salvation. That's Psalm 146, 3. Mm-hmm. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. But you see, when our hope is in God, it changes how we respond to the evil that we see in this world. We don't get desperate. We don't get angry. We don't get fluxed. We don't get frustrated. We don't go, woe is me. You know, we don't get gathering uh, a circle around a campfire somewhere singing, nobody knows <laughs> the trouble I see. Mm-hmm. No, no, we don't do that. Mm-mm. We sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Yes. Like the scripture says. But that's when your hope is in God. When your hope Absolutely. is in a sinner, when your hope is in a sinner, you can't say that. Right. So let's talk about hope for a second. Psalm 31, 24. Mm-hmm. Again, just trying to reorient ourselves to where our hope really needs to be. Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Now, the verse doesn't say all you who hope in Brett Kavanaugh. Right. It doesn't say all you who hope in President Trump. It didn't say all you who hope in Barack Obama when he was president. Right. It doesn't say all you who hope in your husband. Mm-hmm. Let's break it down. Let's get down to close to where we live. It doesn't mm-hmm. say all you who hope in your wife, mm-hmm. all you who hope in your job, all you who hope in your bank account or your 401k. It doesn't say that. It says be strong and take and let your heart take courage. All you who hope in the Lord. 
Psalm 37. Let me turn there in my uh, non-Armenian standard version. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't want to have to give Virgil another minute. So let me turn there real quick. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. oh, sorry. This is, this is actually Psalm 34. Psalm 34, verses 15 through 22. Okay. I'm going to read this directly from the uh, non-Armenian standard version. So, And I hope this is an encouragement to uh, listeners. We're talking about where our hope ought to be placed. Amen. Psalm 34 verses 15 through 22. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. Mm. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Mm. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall say, evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Now that should be very uplifting and encouraging to believers uh, today. Mm -hmm. This is Psalm 34 verse 21 evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned the lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned now that's just one example for the sake of time that i want to share with the listeners as a point of encouragement that our hope is to be in the lord mm-hmm not in government, not in any political system, not in any laws. Um, Colossians chapter three, verses one through three. Yeah, I love this one. Therefore, if, or could be translated since, mm -hmm. therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Now, let me pause there for a second. That verb phrase, keep seeking the things above, Paul is assuming that you're seeking the things above to begin with. He mm -hmm. says, keep seeking. Okay. So that's a continual active verb, a perpetual uh, expression of faith in Christ or, or, or a, a perpetual demonstration of really what your priorities are. Mm -hmm. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above. Now that's second. That's twice now. He's mm -hmm. mentioned that phrase, the things above. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ mm -hmm. in God. Mm-hmm. You have died. What you were before God brought you to faith in him, his son, Jesus. What you were before that, you died to that. Dead. Your new life now is in Christ. Not in your political agenda, not your political affiliation, not even in your desire to have Roe v. Wade overturned. Mm -hmm. That's not where your hope lies. Your hope lies in the God who, by his grace and mercy, saved you. 
do from himself. Mm. That's where your hope is. Mm -hmm. It's in him who saved you from his wrath, not the wrath of this world. Though he did do that. But again, remember, Jesus himself prayed. No, don't take them out of the world. Don't take them out of the world. Just keep them. Just protect them from the evil that is in the world. And if you're in Christ, as I just read in Colossians 3, if your life is in Christ, this is all going to work out. This is all going to work out. Um, Omaha, as we get ready to close here, I want to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Mm-hmm. And read a passage uh, from that chapter. Um, Ecclesiastes is probably one of the most unappreciated books in the Bible. Right. Um, it, it really doesn't get the uh, respect that it deserves. Right. Um, but especially in times that we in which we live like now. It's almost a cultural commentary, right? It really is. It yeah. really is, man. Yeah. There's, no, there's nothing there's nothing we're seeing happen today that is not touched on in some way or another in the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. Right. It's all here. But again, listen to, listen, we're talking about how Christians should not be surprised at anything that's going on today, but that in that, that we have a hope. Okay. And that hope is in our Lord. Listen to this. I'm reading Ecclesiastes chapter eight verses. Let me start at verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given to do, given fully to do evil. Mm-hmm. Again, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. Now, what the writer is saying there is be, is is those who do evil they have convinced themselves that because God doesn't deal with them immediately. Yeah. They're motivated to get to, to, to engage in even more evil more, yeah. thinking that God's just not going to deal with them at all. Right. Oh, I'm good to go. So let me just keep on you know, keeping on. Let me yeah. just carry on like I've been doing. Right. Um, verse 12 of Ecclesiastes eight. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life. Now here's the encouragement for the believer in Christ. Here's where, here's why you can have hope. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 12, although a sinner does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. Omaha, you know that, oh, him, it is well with my soul. Yes. That's exactly what this verse, this writer is saying. It's going to be well with my soul. He said, even though sinners in this world seem to, they appear to be getting away with all this evil so much that there nothing's happening to them. It doesn't seem like God is disciplining them, disciplining them and judging them at all. They lived, they have long lives. They're just, they're just carrying on as if nothing's happening. The writer says, still, I know that it will be well for those who fear God, who fear him openly. And listen to this other side of this promise as it relates to those who do evil. It says, but it will not be well for the evil man. And he will not lengthen his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. So the evil, God's going to deal with them. God's going to deal with them, whether it appears to us that he is or not. He is going to deal with those who do evil. 
Here's another frustration of Christians, at least Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14. There's futility which is done on the earth, that is, there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. On the other hand, there are evil men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. So what the writer here is saying uh, is that, you know, it appears to us that those who committed evil, they get treated as if they're righteous. Righteous, you know, right. You know, and then the vice versa happens. The mm -hmm. opposite effects to the righteous. Mm -hmm. what, what should happen to evil people is what's happening to the righteous. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a point of frustration for believers as well. But we kind of sit back and think that God's not. No, God's going to deal with them. God is going to deal with them all. In 1 Timothy 5.24, it says the sins of some men are quite evident going before them to judgment. So, what Peter is saying, Paul, I'm sorry, what Paul is saying here is that, yeah, there are going to be some evil that's done in this world, that God's going to deal with them in, the, in this present world. Mm -hmm. He's going to judge them in this present world. But for others, Paul writes, mm -hmm. their sins follow after. This is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. The mm -hmm. sins of some men are quite evident, going before them to judgment. For others... Their sins follow after. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be evil, my brothers and sisters, that's going to be committed in this world. We're not going to see God judge those evildoers in this life. He's going to deal with them in the next life. And that judgment is already reserved for them. Mm. That's not something that God has to prepare. Okay? That judgment is already reserved for them. But we may not see that all the time in this life. But God's going to deal with them. He's going to deal with some of them in this life and others. It'll be in the life to come that he deals with them. Yeah. Okay. Now, last point I want to make, and I want to end on a hopeful note here mm -hmm. um, to, to, to our brothers and sisters who I love so much. I want you all to have your hope in the Lord, have your hope in the Lord and don't get focused on what you see around you in the world. Uh, today and get discouraged. Uh, I want to end Omaha on Second Peter chapter three, verse thirteen. Mm -hmm. This is this is this has become one of my go-to texts. It's it's so simple a verse, yet so profound. It's so profound for believers today. So we're talking about where is our hope? Where should our hope rest in times like these? Second Peter three thirteen. Peter writes this, but according to his promise, that is according to the promise of God. We are looking for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the hope for the believer. Not this world. Not this world. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a that's a good word on so many levels. Now, as you were talking, walking through some of the other aspects, I mean, they they had there's so much application to stuff we've talked about previously with with uh, social justice warriors, social Justinians, um, as as you as you like to refer to them. It, it it's if we think about what the Word of God actually says and its implications, we ultimately have to trust and rely. We have to trust the sovereignty of God and, mm -hmm. and rely and rely on his promise and that his justice is always righteous. 
and 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 our our if we would rest in that we, there'd be so many battles that we wouldn't even we wouldn't even expend the energy to fight that's a great point because there wouldn't be battles there no. wouldn't be battles to begin with no we would just we would trust god in those and trust god absolutely absolutely and, and because at the end of the day you know god is the one who 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 will vindicate all um, he he will be the one who judges all, who who will righteously judge all. And and as I'm I'm doing some study in Second um, uh, Thessalonians, I uh, just wrapped up First Thessalonians and and looking at Second Thessalonians. And, and as you begin, Paul encourages uh, the believers who are dealing with unbelievable persecution that they don't have to worry about trying to trying to vindicate themselves that God sees what they're going through and that he will judge righteously those who have created harm on their behalf. Man, that's a great word to, uh, to end on Omaha. That's a great word to end on. And uh, again, to our listeners, we love you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, whatever you may be doing and listening to the just thinking broadcast. We love you. We appreciate you. Absolutely. We hope, that this episode in particular uh, has been edifying and encouraging mm-hmm. uh, to you in the, in the face of the, there's no other way to say it in the face of the evil mm. that we see that is prevalent, that is per- permeating throughout this world. Uh, but even in that, uh, regardless of what happens with the Supreme court, regardless of what happens with the, November election cycle, regardless of what happens with that. The key point that I want to end on is this. In the end, when all is said and done, what matters most is not who sits on the bench, but who sits on the throne. Amen. Remember that, brothers and sisters. We love you. Love you. Thank you.